Before we begin our study of Torah, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to talk to you today about unseen forces that are at work, forces for good. Many people live in an awareness of the brokenness of this world and are constantly paying attention to how broken it is. How many of you know the world is broken? And there's evidence of it every day. And if you, if you are involved in social networking, you'll notice that so many people spend their time focused on what's broken. And there is a lot of complaining about what's broken that just doesn't resolve anything. But there is another perspective in life, and that's to take note of what God is doing. To see what God is doing and to make some observations. What is God doing? Why is this happening? What does it mean? And if you can have friendship and fellowship with people who ask those kinds of questions, who are alert and paying attention to how the Lord is at work, it will not only change your life, but your life together with other people will be impacted. Sandy and I have the habit of, of reading the Torah portion, the Haftor, the Brit HaDashah portions in advance of Shabbat, so that when we come here, we are already thinking about and we're mulling over what, what we've read. And Sandy was paying attention to something in the Torah portion this week. You can turn to Exodus 18. And there's this pattern that's so interesting where Jethro, Yitro, is identified as the father-in-law of Moses over and over again. In this one chapter, maybe 10 or 12 times, he's referred to in this way. And it's not because the writer is thinking that you will forget who Jethro is. You know, you read about him in one sentence and then you won't remember the next. And it's not because he was not writing in good Hebrew. It's because in Hebrew, when you really want to emphasize something and make it important, you make repetition of a phrase you repeat it again and again, and it draws your attention, and then you have to ask this question, why is this important? What am I to get out of this? And you'll see something. It, it says over and over again that Jethro, Yithro, is the father-in-law of Moses. You'll also notice that Moses has a relationship with his father-in-law, good relationship. They communicate with each other, they're concerned for each other, they talk about positive things and what God has done. They have interaction. It's clear that Moses' father-in-law is a spiritual man. In fact, he's identified as a priest. He follows God, and yet he has a limited understanding of God. But Moses, who is like the, the man of God extraordinaire, he shows deference and respect to his father-in-law, even though his father-in-law has limited understanding of God. He respects the understanding he does have. And he approaches his father-in-law with great respect. 
And this repetition of the phrase father-in-law, identifying him as the father-in-law, is showing that there is a healthy family relationship that's existing between Moses and his father-in-law. Now, you might think that's not important unless you've been in a family where there aren't healthy relationships. You may not even be aware of how life can be so enjoyable when there are good relationships between generations or between the in-laws and the outlaws and uh, the folks who are involved in this family. But the scripture is trying to emphasize something to us, that we would take notice that Moses and Yithro have a significant relationship, a relationship for good. And we see in this passage that they listen to each other, they're open to each other, they talk about deep things together, not just superficial things. And they're concerned for each other's well-being, and they're a great example of family life. In verse 8, Exodus 18, verse 8, it says, Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done. And then it goes on for some details. They spent time together, and Yitro was interested to hear the details. What did God do? This is a perfect example of the scripture that talks about one generation praising the works of God to another generation. It's not just by preaching at each other. It's not just by trying to share doctrine, but by telling of our own experience with God, what God has done, sharing that with others in our family, with, with our friends, and, and engaging them so that they can benefit as well and they can add something. You'll notice that not only does Moses have something to say about the Lord, but Jethro has something to say about the Lord. In verse 10, Jethro says, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. And now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which those gods behaved proudly, he was above them. Do you remember that the plagues, according to Torah, were judgments against the false gods of Egypt? Each plague a judgment against a false god. And so Jethro is now praising the Lord, and he's taking the experience that, that Moses had, and he's applying it to himself and saying, now I know. You've just experienced something about God, but because I heard it from you, now I know. And he is humbly agreeing with Moses about the experience Moses has had. And yet he is a priest already. It shows something. It shows how men can form strong relationships and have communication and they can develop respect for one another. They can have this goal of having wholeness and integrity within the family from generation to generation. And so Sandy took note of the, the phrase, Moses' father-in-law. 
and the repetition of it. And it caught my attention because of what she was saying. And it made me realize, as Sandy pointed out, that Moses has great respect for his father-in-law. And so here within this text is this encouragement for us about what we can aspire to, what we can hope for, regardless of our backgrounds. Because you know these men came from different ethnic backgrounds. And they had some commonality in their spiritual life, but some differences as well. One understood God this way, one understood God that way, but they were trying to, to deal with the same God. Though Moses had more specific details, if you will. It's such a good example. And so, with that in mind, I was experiencing great joy today in so many ways. One of the ways was just looking at the worship team and seeing young and old together. Did that encourage you? It's, it's something to take notice of. Go ahead and applaud, I, I applaud that. To see young people and to see families worshiping together, leading us in worship, it is great. It may be something you're not alert to, how important it is and how valuable it is. But I want to underscore it because healthy relationships, family with generations together, this is so, so important. Have you ever had friction in your family? Just four or five of you have. The rest of you can leave the service now because the rest of the message is not for you. Now. All of us have experienced different kinds of conflict, and what's remarkable is when we can work through conflict and our relationships are not only preserved, but they are enhanced. And we learn respect for each other and love for each other to show it in many different circumstances. But what's beautiful is to see young people coming together with those from the older generations and worshiping the Lord together with us. And it's not just for love of music that these young people do that. It's for love of God and for love of one another. And so the young people aren't in the room right now, but tell them when you see them that you appreciate them. Tell them and encourage them that you appreciate the effort they put into serving the Lord and to serving together. You know, there are many congregations that have another vision. They, their vision is get the young people somewhere else where they won't bother us. But our vision is different. Our vision is include the young people from the very beginning because they're important from the very beginning. They're not the next generation off in the future. They are a generation that needs to be involved right now. So we want to do everything we can to experience that and enhance it and celebrate it. When we do that, it opens up things for us in how we can relate together and what we can accomplish together. So I was just rejoicing with that. And then I was rejoicing as well because last Saturday, Rabbi Yuri was, was speaking at the Russian service. And he spoke in Russian to the Russian speakers. But out of mercy for the English speakers who were there serving, 
he asked his son David to interpret into English for him, and David did a great job. And so we were talking about how wonderful that is. And then we thought, wouldn't it be great to do an experiment? Which happened this morning. How many of you understood this was something special? It's something special to have an opportunity for a son to interpret for a father. I, I was just, Sandy put it this way. I can barely stand up, because we were standing up when it started. She said, I think I'm going to fall down. <laughs> she was just so happy, you know. It, it made me appreciate what was happening in front of our eyes. Because here was Rabbi Yuri, a man of God, bringing to us uh, such a useful and important word about our fellowship with the Lord through the meal of Messiah. And there is his son interpreting into English for us. The very son who moved to this country with almost no experience speaking English. And he came here and was immediately in an English-speaking school. And not only did he survive, he thrived. Not only did he make it, but he's doing really well. And to see him up here today interpreting, it brought me great joy. And so, Rabbi Yuri, I commend you for your son, Rabbi Zanina in the back there. We commend you for staying close with your son and keeping him close with you and engaging him and involving him in congregational life. There's another theory about congregations. It goes like this. When the kids get rambunctious, just get rid of them and do things that are appropriate for them, so just play games and just sort of keep them busy, babysit them, whatever, rather than raise them up, rather than involve them and engage them. And one of the hazards of doing that is the kids learn that there's no place for them in the greater community, unless they're off by themselves doing stuff with their own age group. And there is a place for uh, age-specific uh, activities. Of course, there's a place for that. But there's also a place for full engagement of all generations together. And I think we see a picture in the scriptures of young and old together. Even the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out is distinctive in this way. The Lord says, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh and blood, young men and old men, male and female, slave and free, everyone together. It's an idea that's still radical in these days. So in our congregation, we want to not only encourage it, we want to put the effort in to develop it, to make it grow stronger and stronger and to be uh, more and more significant. I want to challenge some of the fathers in this congregation to take this idea seriously and to prepare yourselves to become teachers in our Shabbat school with the young people, with the kids, with the little ones, and with all the different age groups. And of course you can say, well, I'm not really that good at it. And that's why I'm saying prepare yourself so you can get good enough at it that you can start. And understand this, that it takes a good heart. As I was 
preparing this week and thinking about things that I shared last night that I don't think I'll have time for today. I was remembering some experiences with my father. And my father was uh, in radio. He owned radio stations and he had a great, great business. And when I was, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14, he, uh, he said to me, son, would you like to meet Paul Simon today? And I said, sure. And he said, well, he's giving a concert at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg tonight, but he's, he's spending the night in Roanoke at the Holiday Inn on Williamson Road. And I was thinking about how far Paul Simon has come since those days. <laughs> and my father said, let's go over and talk to him. And so we went over to his hotel room and some of the disc jockeys who worked for my father were there too. And I had absolutely nothing to say. You, you understand that. I just sat and watched and listened. But what really touched me this week as I was thinking about that, it wasn't a spiritual experience. It was something else. I learned something about my dad that he valued the time we had. I knew that, but I was thinking about it again. He valued the time we had together. And when he was going to experience something that he thought was interesting, he wanted me to be involved in it. Now, he also expected me to behave so that he could take me to such places. And even though in my family we had six kids and we were rambunctious, we learned how do you behave when you go to someone else's house? How do you behave when you go out to eat? How do you behave when you're in school? I was one of those kids who got zero demerits in school. Though I pushed to the edge, making wisecracks in the class. That was the main thing I did. Uh, but we learn to behave. We learn to sit in synagogue and to pay attention and to be quiet, but to be engaged. And if our minds wandered, my dad taught us, well, open up the Chumash or open up the Siddur and start reading. Find something interesting. If it seems like nothing is going on that's interesting, find something interesting and stay engaged. We learn how to behave. And so that was part of our education. And it was a great experience. And my dad was like this. This wasn't something he read about in a book. He liked kids. He liked generations being together. He valued that. He took us to, uh, to Europe when I was 10 years old. And he had this habit after dinner, he liked to go for a walk. He called it his constitutional. And he loved cities, big cities especially. He loved to walk around and look at the architecture and explore the city. And he came back from his walk and he said, the Beatles are giving a concert. Do you want to go to the Beatles concert? And of course we said, yeah. And so I remember going in Rome as a 10-year-old to the Beatles concert and being surrounded by Italian teenage girls, you know, ah, they're doing all that stuff you saw, you know, when you were young. And these were not great spiritual experiences. They weren't spiritual experiences at all. They were family experiences. 
And I learned something from my dad, enjoy being with young people. Not because you must, but because it's so enjoyable. Enjoy having relationships with all age groups because there's so much to gain by being together. If you just take this as an idea, it will mean perhaps nothing to you, but when it's inside of you in your kishkas, then it's everything, because it's who you are by your very nature. And I think of this, I think that, that the Lord enjoys being with all age groups. Why would he pour his Holy Spirit on all age groups? Why would he emphasize that? And why, when his disciples were complaining about the kids, did Yeshua say to them, suffer? <laughs> he said to the adults, suffer. I think that's a... And then he would also say, there's joy. And so you can decide what kind of life you want to live. Do you want to live that life that suffers or that life that enjoys? When I worked for my father in, a, in my first career in uh, radio news, when I was interviewing people in, in our city, many times people would say, is Bert Levine your father? And I would say, yes, he is. And they would tell me some good story about my dad because he had a very good reputation. And I was just so happy for that. I would tell him about how often that happened. And a few years later, he came to me and he said, now when I go out, people say, are you David Levine's dad? And he said, yes, I am. And he was happy for that. And so we were happy because we were father and son and we were known in this way. That joy is an incredible joy. I want you to understand that there's a connection between that and how our father in heaven thinks about us. Why is it that the Holy Spirit poured out on all of us doesn't want to tell you the titles of God. It doesn't want to give you the secret pronunciation of yod heh vav -Hey, or anything like that. He wants you to be able to speak to God and say, Abba, to talk to him as your father. And why does he want to look at you as sons and daughters? It's because that's what's in his heart. That's what's in his kishkas. That's the way he is. He loves children. He loves us as children. And no matter how old we may be right now, compared to the eternal one, we are little boys and girls. I have no idea how to close. But I'll figure it out. There's, there's a time when God speaks something into your heart, when he shows you something about what he wants you to be involved in. The Torah and the Haftorah portion are clear about that. The Haftorah speaks about that experience with Isaiah. And there's a response that God honors so greatly, and that's when a, a person says, he nay me, here I am.
and says, he named me, here I am, send me, use me. Now, I've been through the experience of saying, he named me, here I am, hearing the assignment saying, yeah, send him. <laughs> send her. <laughs> Have you ever done that? There is a temptation, isn't it, when, when the assignment gets out of our comfort zone, yes, Rondi, that we say, somebody else really should do this. It's what happened with Moses when the Lord said, hey, this is a great experience. Let me tell you what it's all about. Go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let all the Jewish people go. And Moses said, you know, I'm not really a public speaker. You remember that. And finally, they negotiated a role for his big brother, Aaron, without even asking Aaron. <laughs> it's just amusing. But we all have this temptation to say, yeah, use him, use her. They've got talents, they've got experience, but not me, for the things that make us uncomfortable. And when we do that, we're actually being very selfish. But serving the Lord is the opposite. Serving the Lord is not about finding inner meaning for ourselves and reward for ourselves is about bringing real pleasure to the Lord and real impact on other people. Every time God puts his word in you and you act on it, it changes the world all around you. The universe works differently when you do the will of God and when you love God and you make yourself available for his purposes. That's why Paul was talking to the Romans about this, and he said, you know that the Lord causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his, say that with me, his, his purposes and goals. That's the meaning of telos in the Greek, his ultimate purposes and his goals. And I can tell you this, you can search all you want for your own purpose, it's a good thing to do. But it will never take the place of the direction and meaning in life that you will get when you search for his purposes. And when you allow his purposes to become your purposes. And when you allow his goals to become your goals. So much more can be said about this, but we're out of time. At a time. That sounds scary. It's not. It's 12.40. That is the uh, call signal of my dad's radio station. So you know it's time to stop. <laughs> or I thought it was time to stop. <laughs> it's only time for me to stop. I have a little bit of um, uh, It was more the middle than the closing, I think. Today we uh, sang dwelling place, uh, resting place. And we had a period in this congregation before we were here, before we were looking for this place, where we were in another place, and we were going to add a cafe and place for the youth. And I basically said, let them do it. Let, let this group take care of that. And in my heart, I also said, I'm not going to do it. And so it didn't work out there for a lot of reasons. And then we moved here, and it was definitely a Hineni call because before I said I'm gonna do it or I'm not gonna do it, I, the Holy Spirit said to me, make for me a sanctuary. 
And then the other word he gave me is make a home place for this people. And so today, all the things that uh, Rabbi David's talking about, the different events, the membership, uh, bringing people into membership, and just our history with uh, different people here, it, it really felt like a home place. And we talk about the children and making sure that the children and the old people as well are part and, and really have a place, have their place, have their place fitted together and have their place where sometimes they're uh, led or taught according to their needs. It just, uh, I was overwhelmed today because one of our members that was uh, brought in today, David and I waited in the, um, at the hospital while she was born. And one of the, when David Corshin was playing for, uh, I mean, interpreting for his dad, we also were waiting for him to be born. And uh, Deja came in today and sat next to me. And I didn't expect her here, and I've known her for a long time. And so the, the generations are really important to us. And I hope the rest of you have a connection through the generations with families here that that's what makes this a home place if you if you do that too if we're the only or few of us are the only ones that are doing it or the families with children then we're not all settled together but this is a home place for all of us and this is the sanctuary you know that the lord called us to build each one of us in our hearts but in this room, in this place, is the sanctuary he called this congregation to build and be in. Thank you, Sandy. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sandy. So what, what an awesome day and an awesome time. And take, take heart and be encouraged to see young and old together and all the generations together. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Also, it was a great experience seeing uh, Eddie Mordechovich called up to, to read during the Torah service today, his first time here at the synagogue, uh, having that great honor, on the anniversary of his bar mitzvah. Woo. So, mazel tov. Yeah. And last week with Missy Roth Pearl Cameron's adult bat mitzvah, that was a joyous time, wasn't it? And then singing her collaboration, her lyrics with, with uh, Brian Rose's arrangement. Uh, just absolutely beautiful, great experience. So be encouraged. Yes. And don't forget, you do have kids. <laughs> and do get them before next week. After the service, you can meet us next door for coffee and fellowship. And we're going to continue in fellowship together. So let's be dismissed. Would you please rise? Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai panave lecha v'yichonecha. Yisa Adonai panave lecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. 
In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat.